This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Mental toughness is to physical as four is to one. Bobby Knight. If I hurt this much from just hiking 10 or 15 or however many of those small days in the beginning, like how will I ever be able to hike for another six months and make it through even all these even grueling, more grueling factors? And if you're not aware that you're doing that, how can you ever stop those sorts of self-sabotaging thoughts? Similarly, you really need that awareness where if you're really hungry and you're just constantly thinking about town food or how nice it would be to be home and thinking about all the meals that you could have at home right now or what you could be doing at home instead of being out here on this cold, wet, miserable trail, um, like all of those kinds of thoughts, like they can drive you nuts. And if you don't have the awareness to know that you're in that mental state, then you're just going to run that through in your mind over and over until it becomes too much and, and you get off trail. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, is this thing on? Hello? Hit it again. 
I think it's on now. <clears throat> Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, where each week, Doc will drag some colorful characters out of the woods to talk trail and type 2 fun. If you're aspiring hiker trash, or if you're just looking to understand the hiker trash in your life, look no further. So lace up those boots, gnaw on some jerky, and settle into your 20-mile pace as we fire up the podcast from somewhere deep in the backcountry. It's time to embrace the suck. We are stoked to partner with Garage Grown Gear on this episode of Hiker Trash Radio. Garage Grown Gear, or GGG for short, is your online store for all things ultralight backpacking. Dedicated to supporting the growth of small and cottage brands, they've got everything you need all in one place. From ultralight accessories to dehydrated meals to your big three, Garage Grown Gear has everything you need to lighten your load. Based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, GGG is known for its commitment to providing quality ultralight gear, stellar customer service, and free shipping and returns over $40. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags, hiker trash, and of course, good smelling day hikers. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, help us out. Take just a minute. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like what we're doing, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a true legend of the trail, calendar year triple crowner, Jack Jones. Welcome back to Hiker Trash Radio, Jack. How's it going? Hey, good. Thanks for having me back, Doc. Good. Hey, how did it feel when you're introduced as calendar year triple crowner, Jack Jones? It's pretty cool, but you know what? I that title has lost its mystique after having done it. It's I don't know if it's because for me, like through hiking, before I did my first hike, I was like, that's an insane thing. Anyone who can do that is just crazy and amazing and whatnot. But after doing it, it's you're like, oh, okay, it's, it's just a bunch of walking. That's how I feel after doing a calendar year. It's before I did it. It seemed like this monumental, crazy thing after doing it. It was a bunch of walking, but not to take away too much from it. But yeah, it's lost its mystique for me having hiked it. I guess if you're one of the, what is it, 18 people who, on the planet who have done this, it, it might lose its mystique. But for the other 10 billion of us, uh, we're, we're in awe. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I still can't get a good firm read on the how many people have actually done it. I keep coming across like, Totally different numbers, but I guess, yeah, ultimately not that many. And uh, it, that is pretty cool. Like I thought about that when I was hiking. It's like, how lucky am I to be able to do something that so few people have been able to accomplish? Now, Jack, we may have a few listeners who are scratching their heads thinking, Jack Jones, I don't know that I've heard of him. How might they have heard of you? What, what is your trail name out there? Uh, so my trail name is Quadzilla, and I got that on my first hike of the AT. It was at the Ice Spring Shelter in the Smokies. And I just remember that because I took a, there was a really beautiful sunrise there, and I took a picture of that. And the, it was some, yeah, some other hiker. I think she was into CrossFit. So that was how she's like, oh, you look like a Quadzilla or something to that effect. And that, I was like, yeah, I like that. So I stuck with that as my trail name. Yeah, when someone gives you something you like, take it. Let's go for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Hey, the the previous two times you've been on the show, I talked to you, I think, in season three, 
for the very first time. And then we had you back with the other three guys who had done the calendar year Triple Crown last year. And that was co-hosted by Jeff Garmeyer. He was a lot of fun to have on the show as well on that episode. But since that time, since you've been on, we've actually done a little bit of rebranding here on the podcast. We are now Hiker Trash Radio. What do you think? I saw that. I When I was preparing for this, I was kept calling you John in my head. And I was like, wait, no, his name is Doc. And because I was used to like the John freaking Rear podcast. I like it. I like the logo. It's really cool too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And we've done some other rebranding of some of our segments. So I want to make sure that you are familiar that the segment that used to be called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week, that is now called the Hiking Hack, more hiking related. Awesome. Yeah, I've got a Got some thoughts for those. Okay. And that that will happen towards the end of the episode. I'll turn to you and ask you you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised. Good deal. Okay. Trailblazers Toolkit. That's right. It's time for the Trailblazers Toolkit, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. Jack, I love to talk about gear on the podcast, and I love to hear about the most important item in my guest's adventure gear. So if you're preparing for your next adventure, and I was the one providing you with all your gear, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? Make sure to give me all the specifics on that piece of gear and tell me why you've got to have it out there. And this could be any kind of item. It could be gear, could be apparel, could be a luxury item. So Quadzilla, what is that item in your toolkit? Yeah, I think it would have to be my camera, which right now it's a Sony a7 IV. And then what I, yeah, I take my 24 by 105 lens with that. And there's just something about documenting the adventures that I really enjoy. And it's, I remember all the way back 18 years old, being in my college dorm with my roommate. He like, he was on the top bunk. I was on the bottom. We'd sit there and watch Anthony Bourdain at night. And I always thought that would be really cool to be able to travel and have adventures and then make little documentaries about them. And that's slowly what I've been, been, been able to do. And that's, I carry that along the calendar year triple crown and I'm still working to try and piece all of that together in a format. That's not 30 hours long because I have a terabyte of video from that trip and just trying to tell the story of nine and a half months in a adequate time span is challenging, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it doesn't really matter that much what the gear is as long as it's reasonably light and it works. But having my camera, I really want that out there. I think that is so interesting. Here I am talking to a guy who was out on the trail for nine plus months last year, 7,700 plus miles under his, his feet uh, during that calendar year. And the piece of gear he insists on being packed is not anything related to hiking. It's not a shelter system. It's not his pack. It's not his sleep system. It is a specific camera and a specific lens. It really shows off your priorities there. Yeah, and it's uh, like the camera and the lens. So the body and the lens, I think, is about three and a half-ish pounds. And then when you add batteries, microphone, all the other crap, it's four and a half pounds. So I figured I carried uh, one and a half empty bear cans through the whole trip. And that's because like people complain so much about how much or how much weight a bear can adds and like you really feel it. And then to think you have an extra like one and a half bear cans that are essentially two days of food 
all the time <laughs> through the calendar year. And it's funny, like out here in Thailand, I find I'm not wanting to take my camera with me to places. It's too big. It's too heavy. It's too bulky. And then I'm like, how did I take that with me all year last year? And I don't think I would do it again. I would take a smaller camera, but I'm glad I took this one. I, I, it got really high quality footage, but yeah, that's one of those things in retrospect. What was I thinking? Like, how did I even do that? Cause that, I have that hanging off my pack in the front and just crushing my shoulder for all of those miles and days. And you know what? I say you go for it. A terabyte of video, 30 hours of, of footage. I think we just make this one big mega documentary to, to really capture the mega hike that you went on last year. That would be, I wonder how, yeah, could you put out like a hundred hour video onto YouTube and just like the whole trail, every single little segment just in one shot? That would be, I, I look into that and uh, see if that's feasible or even doable. Yeah, I think it was an, an Academy Award winning film, 1917, that they did that, they, they did the entire movie in one shot or it, it looked like one shot. I think it would be very powerful to do that uh, as a calendar year triple crown documentary. Yeah. Yeah. And that would get convey some of the, just the monotony and the grind of it all. If you're sitting there, wow, you've been watching this for a day, but you got to do this for 290 days. That's right. I've had Nikola Horvat on a couple of times. He was a, P a PCT hiker and then he came back and did the CDT, but he's from Croatia trail named Tesla and he, he made a documentary called Why Do I Hike? And it was about his PCT journey. And he got so much criticism because people said, you just showed the happy things, the glorious things. It made it look so easy and, and beautiful and fun. And we know that's not what trail life is really like. And so then he came back, he did the CDT, and he made a video that shows the, the hardships of a hike. I think that was literally the name of it. And people criticized him because all he did was focus on the negative. So I think if you were to just present everything in its raw form and let people experience it firsthand, they'd have a true understanding of what it's like out there. <laughs> and I'm sure there would still be so many criticisms. <laughs> yeah, the Internet is it's a fun place for that. <laughs> you got that right. All right. Hey, let's go to our next segment, which has not changed its title. It's the Hawking Pole. That's right. It's the hiking poll, and that's poll spelled with two L's, like a survey. This is a seven-question survey that's going to help me give you a score on the sanity scale from one to 100, with one being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. Now, anybody who's done the calendar year triple crown, there's an automatic 40-point deduction. So your top possible score today, Jack, is 60. Okay. All right. And these are all questions related to hiking. This is not rapid fire. I want you to give me an answer to see where you fall on the issue. But I also want to give, I want you to give some explanation as to why that's your answer. Okay, I can do that. Okay. So you've been on the podcast before. I think I asked you questions from the hiking poll previously. So I'm going to go to an alternate set of questions. So you're completely unprepared for this. Okay, perfect. All right. Question number one. When you're out there on the trail with other folks, what are the top three topics of conversation on the trail? Oh, that's hard because I'm just by myself most of the time. But I don't know. I feel like it's like food and how good your poops have been. And yeah, what, what you're going to do in town. I think 
<laughs> that's and then okay i just thought of a really good conversation i had in the smoky or on the at earlier in the year with my uh, friend i'd met in 2016 jim and he really cool guy very spiritual we had just a really nice conversation that night about the meaning of life what's the purpose of all this he's into some really interesting things like dowsing he's part of a spiritual kind of group and those sorts of conversations always fascinate me and i find that comes up more on trail it's easier to cut through all of the bs and just get to the really like deep interesting conversations and i just remember that conversation gave me kind of goosebumps that night when we were talking about I mean, it just felt okay this is what life is really about like figuring out like what's the purpose why are we here what are we what is all this about and those are the conversations that are most interesting for me because i think ultimately that's a big reason of hiking is what is this reality and what are we doing here and trying to figure that out yeah i like that i like that a lot that sounds like a great conversation out there on the trail and it's true that you really bond with people quickly. You, you really have deep, important conversations, close, intimate conversations with people you've just barely met not that long ago. Yeah, that intimacy. Yep. That's is really cool. But the first three topics that you mentioned are probably, I would agree, the most common topics on trail, and that's food, poop, and town. <laughs> the big three. The big three. That's right. That's right. All right, question number two in the poll. What is the best trail name you've encountered out there? I What comes to mind is Ballsack. <laughs> She's been talking with her. And so her trail name, I think because she carried around like these little foam roller balls in a sack. and But no, then she got the name Ballsack. And I don't think she's ever going to be able to live that one down. And it's so memorable. I've met like so many people that have mentioned ball sack. So I think that's got to be, um, be the one. That's a pretty good one. She was on the podcast and I, I couldn't call her ball sack. It, I just didn't, I wasn't comfortable with that. I, I think I called her sack the entire podcast. Yeah, it is. I, I can't call her ball sack either. It's a little too much. <laughs> uh, question number three, when you're out there, toilet paper, bidet, leaves, snow, or some other manner that i'm not thinking of it's been toilet paper but now that i've been traveling through southeast asia like every bathroom here has a uh, what do they call, I, they call them poop guns <laughs> they've got a little faucet a little bidet and i've really i don't know that i can live without a bidet now like it's so much cleaner and it just feels like it's way more hygienic so i think i'm gonna probably next time out on trail figure out a backcountry bidet system I feel like, yeah, you, you just be a lot cleaner that way. Poop gun, that could be taken so many different ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be an effective well, yeah, weapon out on the trail. That I would not want to mess with somebody that had a poop gun. That's right. Uh, just, bum I, gun, that's the word, bum gun. Bum gun, poop okay. Gun. Bum All gun. right, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. If someone had a poop gun out there on the trail, I would back away slowly. <laughs> All right. Question number four, breakfast in camp, on trail, or no breakfast? Yeah, on trail, like on trail slash no breakfast. I like to get up and get going, and then it'll just be a bar or a Pop-Tart and as I'm moving. Be very efficient with your time out there. Yeah, yeah, and I've never been a breakfast person, but yeah, that 
because if you think every 15, 20 minutes that you're not moving, that's another mile. That's the big consideration you have to have when you're trying to go for distance and speed is you have to, the less you, or just the longer you move, you know, it's not about moving super fast. It's about just moving longer and reducing breaks and, and not having a, having a fast morning routine is really pretty vital for that. Shaving minutes. I like it. I like it. All right. I think I know the answer to this question. I'm going to ask it anyway. Question number five, solo hiking or tramley? What do you prefer? I think, yeah, I've done more solo hiking, but what's more enjoyable is tramley. So I think, especially last year showed me that a lot of the best experiences I've had on trail are because of the people that I'm with and not necessarily because of any particular viewpoint or crushing miles or anything. And that was probably the hardest part last year was I, I met a really good group along the PCT and we hiked through the desert together, did all these kind of crazy night hikes because it was just so hot in the daytime. And then we got to Kennedy Meadows and then that was where every or where I split off from the group because they they just wanted to take a little more time. And that was really hard. I, I did consider, I was like, you know what? I don't know. I could just stop doing a calendar year and just hike with them for the rest of the PCT and just have a great time. But you know, eventually decided to continue on. But that, yeah, that was, it was hard. And I think in the future, prioritizing spending time with people on trail ultimately makes for a richer experience that will, that I'll take with me because it, I've pushed my limits now. I don't need to necessarily do that again, but it's never going to be a waste of time to spend quality time with good people on the trail. Jack, you surprised me with that answer. I thought you were going, I thought you were a total, total solo guy. Yeah, that's what I've done more of. But I think if you put a gun to my head and say, which one is like more beneficial or enjoyable or what better, I, I think the tramway wins. With that poop gun to your head, and who knows what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the bears away. All right. Question number six. Rank the following in order of your preference. One mile severe uphill, one mile severe downhill, or a 20-mile road walk? Let's see. Okay. So what I would prefer the most, uh, probably road walk, uphill, downhill. You'd prefer a 20-mile road walk, huh? Yeah, I think people rag a lot on road walks, but especially when you're doing long trails and having to meet time limits, like road walks are like a blessing. You're like, oh, God, thank God, like tomorrow's a road walk. I can knock out 40 miles in 12 or 14 hours, and that just feels really good versus having to struggle up and down over mountains and like really struggle for the mileage that you need. Like it just... Yeah, that, those fast, easy um, roads are a, a nice break in between hard sections. Jack, I'm already noticing a theme during this interview, and it is efficiency. You have a high focus <laughs> on efficiency. How do I cover a lot of miles quickly? Yep, yep. That's the thing you got to figure out for a calendar year. That's right. All right, question number seven. What's on your head when you're out there hiking? Ball cap? Floppy hat? Straw hat, sun hoodie, or a triple crown button down? Yeah, it's the baseball cap and the triple crown button down. 
Nice. Good choice. Good choice. Triple Crown button down from Jolly Gear, one of our sponsors. I cannot believe how much that has exploded on the trail out there. All, all the pictures I see on social media, there's the, at least one person in, in every picture, it seems like, with a with some Jolly Gear on. Yeah, and it was really funny, like, hiking last year because that was I think that was his first year coming out with the shirts and you'd see seven people with the same shirt and I was like are the people in towns like really confused as to what's going on they see the hikers wearing the same shirt coming in over and over again (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe they thought that they were sharing the same shirt yeah 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 it was like a cult or something going on but I really wish I'd brought it with me to out to Thailand because it that would be a great shirt out here too with all the sun and whatnot. I'm getting out here just walking around like I was like, oh, I wish I could have that little hood. I wish I had the long sleeves. So it's a pretty versatile shirt. All right. I'm going to ask you to stand by while I do some math. I've got to add up these scores, run through the algorithm of the, the Hiker Trash Radio podcast. And let's see, I've got to carry the two. I've got to multiply that by pi. Got to divide yeah, by... Don't forget the elevation of uh, Whitney. <laughs> I've got to... I've got to uh, divide by did I say divide already if I said divide then I got I have to multiply by root five and this time I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make an adjustment for the altitude at, at Whitney I'm gonna make a slight adjustment for the caliber of your poop gun and I come up with a score of 38 okay that's probably the lowest test score I've ever gotten because I'm Asian so I usually <laughs> do pretty good on tests <laughs> Oh, get yourself a hat, wear that under your triple crown button down, get yourself a hat with a 38 on it, and that'll be your new logo. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Hey, Jack, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit, hear about your background. We've talked about this a little bit before, I think on your first episode, and I have to tell people that I ask a lot of questions, I hear a lot of stories, and I'm often surprised by what my guests say on the podcast, but I have to tell you that one of the biggest surprises one of the most memorable surprises on the podcast is when you shared your childhood story of how you ended up in the United States. I had no idea, and I was just completely flabbergasted. It, it is quite a story. Yeah, it is. It's different. It's yeah, not the norm. Would you mind sharing that again? Sure. Yes. So I was born in China, Lanzhou. It's up uh, north near the Gobi Desert. And I think all of the, we're Han Chinese and we have a lot of common ancestry with Mongolians and Genghis Khan. So that's a interesting little factoid. But um, so when I was two in 1989, uh, that was when Tiananmen Square was happening in Beijing. And so my father, he taught political science at the university and he gave like an anti-government pro-democracy speech and they put him in prison for two years for doing that. So then my parents wanted me to get out of, out of China because they didn't think I'd have a very good future there. And they had met through the university, these professors from Southwest Missouri State University in Springfield, Missouri, who knew Nancy, who lived close by that was looking to adopt and they set all that up. So then I was adopted over when I was eight years old and moved to Missouri and basically left like everyone that I knew. And essentially it was like everybody died because there was no expectation that I would see anybody like ever again, parents or family or friends or anybody. 
And yeah, I came over there and I think in order to survive, my brain had to basically shut down the parts of me that formed strong connections to people. And I never really bonded with people very strongly after that. And just then grew up in Missouri and went to college in University of Missouri in Columbia and hung around there and then started doing the hikes and all of that and been pretty nomadic since uh, about 2016. And would you say, Jack, that you still have a, a bonding problem? Yeah, I think just creating bonds is, I'm not, yeah, I just still don't really have those really strong bonds like I see a lot of friends or whatnot, but it's, that's something that's gotten better as I've hiked and practiced my meditation practices. And because it really is, is like a shutdown of the heart and like a protective mechanism of like barriers that I would put up around myself. And that in some ways that made it a lot easier to go on big hikes, do join the army, do firefighting, all these things where you're gone from people for a long time. It's a lot easier when you don't have strong connections and you don't miss people that much. And, and in a lot of ways, it's what has allowed me to, to be who I am today. And I, I really, I like genuinely who I am today. So the path is worth it, but it's, it was a lot of struggle for, for a lot of years. And I think uh, through hiking in general, it takes a lot to push someone to go out on the trail. I think if you're living a pretty happy, content life, generally it's much, it takes a lot more for you to upend your life and go out on the trail. So I think out on trail, there's a lot of people who are, might be struggling or searching or, I mean, that was certainly part of what pushed me out on the trail is trying to figure out, because I knew just internally, like things were not okay. Things were not right. And, but I didn't know what to do about it. And I think something, discovering the trail was one of those things that just spoke to my heart. Was, oh, here's some huge, crazy thing. Maybe this will be able to fix things or make things okay. And I was just watching Fight Club last night, like great movie. And they were talking, it just really, that movie really resonates with me, with me. And I think it resonates with a lot of people because it's talking about just the grind of modern life and how we've all become consumers and just sucked into this culture. And so we're not alive. And it's, that's a lot of what I was feeling. It's what is the point of, I have an accounting degree. So what's the point of doing, going into the office and just watching the clock on the wall? This is my every day. And I, I don't feel alive. I don't feel fulfill like what's why am i even alive yeah that's getting on the trail was pretty important in those aspects and that's what's been cool for me for since 2016 i would say i i've lived a pretty fulfilling life and if i died today i wouldn't have felt like my last six or seven years have been a waste i feel like i've really lived my life and that's been pretty cool lot to unpack right there i have some follow-up questions <laughs> if you don't mind Number one is yeah, yeah. you were, I don't know if this is a question, this is more of a statement, but you, you talk about you've enjoyed who you've become, you enjoy spending time with yourself. And I was a high school principal and I give graduation speeches. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I would give graduation speeches at, at the ceremony and frequently, uh, a couple of times, my advice to them, to the graduates was, you're going to go through life and the person you're going to spend the most time with is yourself. 
And so you're going to have to, you're going to have a better life if you like yourself. So that means do things that you're, you are proud of. Do things that make you feel good, that be a role model, take the high road, those kinds of things. And so that, when you were talking about that, that just really resonated with me. We do spend an awful lot of time, whether you're on the trail or whether you're in that cubicle or you're driving to and from, you spend a lot of time in your head thinking about stuff and thinking about who you are and who you want to be. So making the the right choices is very important. Yeah, that's been pretty cool about the trail and that whole process because I was thinking back to when I first started doing these five, 10 minute meditations before I ever started hiking. And those were just filled with thoughts like negative thoughts about myself, about other people, and just constantly this bubbling up of these very negative self-talk and, and like, I don't have that anymore. Like I don't, it's not the struggle every day of trying to divert my thoughts from negative thoughts about myself or anything. It's that's just gone. And I think a lot of that has to do with the trail and that just that process of being out in nature and just being like with yourself and then coming around to being okay with yourself. Cause that's, that's, it's just you out there. And yeah, I think that's a really important process and it's a cool place to, to get to. And it's crazy to look back now and think there was a time when I had all these negative thoughts about myself. Yes. And I think you're absolutely right about the grind of modern life. It certainly does take a toll on all of us. And to be able to disconnect from that and be out periodically in nature and not have the the crazy rush of the modern world surrounding us, I think is very healthy. Yes, absolutely. I think we need nature just like we need air and food and water. It's We, we shouldn't be separate from it. Now, going back to your childhood, do you uh, do you keep in touch, or have you have you reconnected with folks in China? Yeah, so my parents did come over. Uh, eventually, they were able, both able to get visas to come to the U.S. And I saw. So my dad died when I was thirteen, and then my Chinese mom remarried, and now I'm um, a little half brother who's eighteen now, and uh, yeah, really into bodybuilding and doing pretty well. And so I, so I was able to reconnect and have a relationship with, with them. But yeah, it's not, I just never really formed a strong bond with any parental figure after, after leaving China. And do you have any kind of sense as to what life would be like for you right now if your parents had not sent you over to the States and you had stayed in China? I really don't know because it's funny. My cousins, they're all doing really well. One of them is, he's like a big time movie producer in China now. He's produced some blockbuster movies that did hundreds of millions at the box office. And another is, is a dentist and she went to a real prestigious school in Beijing. And so I joke with my Chinese mom, maybe if you hadn't sent me over, I'd be doing really well. Cause what's helped me back like career wise and financially has been about every year I go through a period of major depression since I was a teenager. And that just derails every effort that I've made in terms of businesses and those sorts of things. And that's probably a big draw for me for the trail, because I recognize that if I want to get anywhere in life, I can't keep quitting things mid. So I need to go finish some really challenging 
things like through hikes and like calendar year. And, but yeah, that's, that was what really derailed me. So it's like, if I hadn't had all of this trauma, maybe I would be doing really well and be very wealthy and whatnot. And who knows, uh, you can't know, but I really who I am. And I, like, I wouldn't want to be some rich guy in China and not have had all my experiences on the trails. And because I think for me, it's much more valuable to have this mental resilience and grit and to have all this kind of internal development because ultimately money and material success, it's, if you, I think about it, I used to play a lot of World of Warcraft and it's very focused on getting loot and the best items in the game. And you spend so much time upgrading your character, upgrading your gear. But then when I quit the game, I was like, oh, none of that matters. Once you, you're done playing, that doesn't matter at all. But what I took with me were some of the relationships and because you still learn lessons in the, especially social games like that, so the kind of the internal changes that I, I took that with me. So I think I see that same in life. Like once you're dead, the money, your careers and whatever, it doesn't matter. But if we continue on, then what you'll take with you are the relationships and the kind of mental internal changes and lessons and those sorts of things. That's how I view like what's valuable in life. What a great metaphor. World of Warcraft is a resource management game, right? And <laughs> yeah. the, the parallels yeah. to modern American society, consumerism and resources unsettling a bit when you look at it that way. Yeah, and it really is. If people say, oh, what, what are you wasting your time in World of Warcraft for? None of that is real. But like, how real is anything in our economy? How real is any of that? It's all made up by people in the end. Mm -hmm. It's all a game. <laughs> That's right. And there is, you hit it exactly right. There's wealth of resources and there's wealth of experiences. And I think you framed that very nicely for us. Yeah. And that's my philosophy on living right now is it's because I'm not, I don't, I'm not building a big nest egg. I don't have assets that I'm working towards, but I have my time right now and I'm able to right now I hiked all year last year. Now I'm living out here in Southeast Asia, having incredible experiences. And if I can continue doing that into my sixties and seventies and whatever, and if I get to a point where I can't work and I run out of money and I have to die, like I could just die then. And it's okay. And I don't need to, I think it makes much more sense to live like this versus trying to like save and build so that you can have a comfortable and extend your life out as long as possible. Like just live your life when you have your good years. And if you can't support yourself somewhere down the road, then it's time to die. That's right. And then you, you talked earlier about depression getting in the way of sticking with something and finishing it off and, and going further. Have you gotten into something new over in Thailand? What, what are you doing to pay the bills over there? Yeah. So now I finally got started on like building out my kind of training program. So I've started out with um, doing personal training for people, anyone really, but specifically people that are looking to do long distance hikes through hikes and big challenges like that. Cause I think I finally got, got some pretty good insight now after having hiked all these years and especially building in the kind of meditation practices. And then I've been, before I hiked, I was doing a lot of weightlifting and personal training. And I think because you, you see a lot of survivorship bias when you are reading about um, hikes on the internet, like people, the people that are chiming in saying that they didn't train and it was fine. You can just go out on trail. Like those are the people that 
that didn't train and made it. But what you're not hearing from are the 90% of other people who didn't train and then they got injured in the first month or they just, it was terrible and they quit. So I think you wouldn't go try and run a marathon untrained. You wouldn't go join the military or try and do like join the special forces or anything like that without training. Like why would you undertake one of the most grueling, intense physical endurance experiences out there? That's a through hike without training. So I think that's, yeah, what I've been doing right now, building, uh, kind of building that program up. And now I'm out here working on writing, uh, writing a book about my overall life experience. And then the calendar year, weaving all of that together, because that's a message I want to get across to people is I really am not, I didn't come from an athletic background. I didn't, I wasn't like part of special operations or something in the military. And they taught me all these skills. It was pretty normal person. And it was this process of just putting myself into uncomfortable situations, putting myself into these challenges. And then that step-by-step process where, because my first time I hiked the AT, it took me 205 days, like it was almost seven months and very slow, heavy pack. But then I was able to go from that to doing calendar year last year and the changes I've been able to see internally and within, especially my mental state and just not having a bunch of suffering in my life have been really profound. And it's, I'm really not anyone special. If I can go through this path then anyone can go through this path. And so that's the overarching uh, idea I want to get across and what I'm writing about is uh, because those is we go starting back on depression those sorts of books helped me a lot when I was young and just feeling hopeless and depressed and so if you can see stories of other people who have gone through these same struggles and come out the other side stronger and more resilient for it then that's really helpful in those times to know that there is a path and that it's not hopeless and so, yeah, working on that, working on documentary, and that's how I'm paying the bills out here in Thailand. And that's since since hiking in 16, I've just been doing a bunch of random stuff, and the bills always seem to get paid. So that's, I think, another kind of secret of life is if you put yourself out there, take that leap of faith, like you'll figure it out. I, I have. I can't. I don't. Know, I can't say that for everybody, but I think there's a kind of a magic at work like within life in the universe that if you're on the path that of your heart, your dreams, like you can, you can figure it out. Okay. And let's put a pin in it right there. We're going to take a quick break and hear from the advertisers, pay some bills. And when we come back, we're going to get into some more discussion of how to prepare for a big hike along with some other important topics. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, 
topical insect repellents and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Through hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back. We're talking to Jack Jones, a.k.a. Quadzilla, calendar year triple crowner, and who's currently calling in from Thailand. There's, there's quite a time difference right now. It's pretty late in the evening for me, and it is uh, fairly early in the day for you right now. It's like roughly a 12-hour difference. Is that actually, all? I think I'm in the future. So you you are in the future. Ahead. That's right. You're in the future. How does my day look tomorrow? Let me know. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the lottery numbers. You can, we'll split that. Perfect. Then I can get my physical resources and still be happy with all of my experiences. Okay. All right. Hey, we're, we left the first uh, segment. We had been talking a little bit about depression, post-trail depression. 
if, if you are someone who suffers from depression and you're on a, a big hike and you, you get off the trail at the end, is does post-trail depression hit harder? Do you have a frame of reference on that? I think so. I think it's, from my understanding, right, if you are prone to depression, then those neural pathways have been built in your brain. And so then it's a easier pathway for your brain to slip into because it's just like habits. It's my depression always stems from, I notice it. I will want to play video games a bunch. I will start having trouble going to bed. I'll stay up late watching, playing games and watching movies. I will eat a lot of, of junk foods and sugars. And like all of those are, are habits that I form that they were coping mechanisms. And, and then once I start slipping back into those habits, then that builds the greater layer of depression. Because then if I'm doing all those, then my energy levels are worse. I'm less productive. I'm not able to, because if I'm waking up at noon, how much can I really get done in the day? And so then that makes me feel worse about my future. It feel, feeds into this feeling of hopelessness. So I think you're much more prone to, to post-trail depression if you've had depression before. And there, I think there's a lot of physical aspects as well. For me, inflammation is a big one that triggers depression. And like post-trail, just see the, your body is so out of whack. And I, there's so many just inflammatory foods and just all the damage that's been done to the body. I think it's just creates this perfect storm of like really high inflammation as well, which can then trigger you to go into all of those bits that are not serving, not serving you. That's a great point. I'm, I'm going to start a little bit backwards here because I know we wanted to talk about physical prep and mental prep when going into a big hike, but let's start with the, the back end of the hike and you're getting off the trail and you've got this big looming post-trail depression coming at you. How do you snap out of that? Any advice for hikers that have just completed something really big and are hoping to avoid uh, a big letdown? Yeah, I think having routine is important. As much as you don't want to get a job and work right away, it's been helpful for me to just have any sort of job or something that I have to show up for, that I have to wake up for, um, just having that routine in life. So get a job, um, that would be helpful. Or, you know, get uh, get getting on a program, maybe um, sign up for a race that you have to train for, something like that. So you have some routine in your life. I think the worst thing is to... Because your thought is, I've done all this, I just want to rest and do nothing, and maybe give yourself a week or two to do that, but don't let that become a habit, because that's going to just make you feel even worse if you're just allowing yourself to sleep um, all day and to eat all the junk food and to drink all the beer and whatever. I think all of that, it, it just compounds and it makes it digs a deeper hole that's harder to get out of, and especially, I think, be careful with uh, substance, substances, the alcohol, the pot, all of those things. Like it's, it's easy when you have no responsibilities and I feel like you've just done this huge thing. Like now you can unwind and relax, but like it's, if you're drinking a lot, if you're smoking a lot, it, it just makes it so much more difficult to get your priorities and get your routine in order. So I think if you're coming off trail, yeah, if you can have find a job, something that gives you routine, you put together a plan for workout and nutrition and 
stick to it and just plug myself. <laughs> if you want to hire me, I can help you do all those, be accountable and whatnot. But yeah, just having maybe find a group of your hiking friends. And, hey guys, let's all undertake this next 30 days when we get home. We'll, we'll commit to each other, like not drink, not smoke. We'll go for a walk every day. We'll go to bed by this time and hold each other accountable, hold, support each other. And that's the other component is you're on trail, you have a community, you're, you know what you're doing. And then all of that just disappears overnight when you get off trail. Cause through hikers, are, you feel good on trail. You're like this, oh, I'm on this mission. They, sometimes you feel like celebrity people like, wow, you're through hiking. That's so crazy whatnot. But then you get off trail and nobody knows what a through hike is. Nobody cares. You just this like homeless looking scraggly person. And so you've lost a lot of like your social status. You lost your community and try and to maintain those connections to Montreal can be helpful. And just remembering that everybody else is probably going through the same things. Yeah. Just reaching out. But I think I, I really like that idea of get, get together with people you hiked with and create a little challenge group or a little like accountability group and help each other get, get back into routines, get back into healthy eating and, and fitness and, and those sorts of things. Cause that's, what's going to uh, pull you out in the end. Wow, you put it all together for me. I, I understand in concept what post-trail depression was and, and why someone might feel that. But I think you really uncovered a lot of different aspects to it. It's complicated. There, there are a lot of moving pieces there and a lot of different angles. And I want to thank you for stating that so clearly and simply for us. Yeah, and it's, it, it, it is tough, but it won't last forever and you will come through it and uh, I, what I've read from other people, it's like, it really seems to lift once you get another big, exciting goal going. So setting more goals is very helpful, I think. And you mentioned when you were talking there about hiring you and let's talk about that a little bit, because I know when I'm looking to hire somebody, if I'm, if I was a principal and I'm hiring a teacher, I'm looking at their resume. I'm looking to see what kind of experiences they've had. Is that going to translate well into what I want them to do on my campus? And I think if anybody's out there looking for someone to help them physically and mentally prepare for a long hike, I think you've got a pretty good resume and background in that area. <laughs> yeah, I would. I think so. I think because even before the hikes, I, I was really into fitness and I had a, a CrossFit gym, which I failed at because I got super depressed. So bringing, it's interesting how all of those pieces of my life have uh, come together now. Okay, so shall we transition talking about how to prepare for 2200, 2600, 3100 mile hike or something shorter than that even? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I think like the physical training and the mental training really go hand in hand because the I think in my opinion, the best way to train your mind is to do it through physical activity. I think that's just the best way to get at your mind. And so it's like, uh, you can get a two for one. If you are training, doing your proper strength and conditioning and, and workup, then you can really get a lot of benefit, uh, that mental benefit. And then if you just add a little kind of extra intentionality in what you're doing, you can really pull out kind of these broad topics that you can then apply to not just when you're physically in pain, but when there's cold and there's wet and you're hungry and you're tired and all of these other other kind of elements. Yeah, I'll let you maybe ask specific questions or whatnot and guide, guide this because I could ramble on forever. <laughs> yeah, let's start off with a thing that we've talked about on the podcast a number of times is 
when you're undertaking something this big, what is the bigger challenge? Is it a bigger physical challenge or is it a bigger mental challenge? Yeah, I think it's you read like it's people say it's like it's all mental or 99% mental or whatever, but I think it's it's both. It's physical and it's mental um, because let's take an extreme of someone who can physically only walk one or two miles. Like they could have the strongest mind in the world, but if you cannot physically walk 10 to 20 miles a day, you will not physically be able to complete the trail. And, and again, I think it's that like duality where like <clears throat> in general, people who have strong training programs and be able to train their bodies up, they develop a lot of those mental traits naturally, those traits of discipline and mental toughness and resilience and being able to withstand pain and discomfort. Like that's just a natural part that gets developed as you train, train physically and okay and can you describe for us maybe some of the physical prep that you would recommend doing before a long hike and then maybe give us a couple of examples of how that physical prep that you did paid off for you in a, a couple of situations on the trail yes i think strength training is important for everybody that's what all of the literature and the studies uh, kind of sports science shows is that the stronger you are the less prone to injury you are like across every single sport, every single field. And it makes sense because if uh, to be able to like say squat two or 300 pounds, like your, it requires your bones to be strong. It requires your connective tissues to be strong. It requires your muscles to be strong. And all of that translates into this real protective aspect on the trail because with every, the most common injuries when you're on the trail is going to be in in the bones, like in the structure, it's going to be in your connective tissues and your tendons, your ligaments. And the ones that those are the ones that cause people to get off trail. Like people, if you pull a muscle, if you strain a muscle, something like that, those generally heal very quickly, but uh, a bone injury, uh, fracture, stress fracture, something like that, or if you tear a ligament or a tendon, those will take months to heal. And so you really don't, can't afford to have those get um, injured on the trail. So having that basis of strength, I think is important for everybody and doesn't need to be a lot. It could just be one session in the gym every week. And like in the beginning, the first six to 12 months of strength training, people get a tremendous amount of improvements, like the 80, 20, where like within the first year, you're going to get 80% of your results. And then if you continue, your results become less and less over time. So you can get a lot of results quickly, even if you haven't been strength training your whole life. But yeah, just having that strength training program in the gym, squats and deadlifts, those sorts of weight bearing exercises. And then the other aspect would be uh, training as if you're training for an ultra marathon. So just getting time on your feet, getting miles, whether that be running or trail running or hiking. I think when you're thinking about training, running and trail running, it's the most bang for your buck because most people are limited by their time. So running is just a higher threshold of stimulus than hiking, right? That you can run for an hour and you can get the same. It's, it's a very transferable, like running and hiking are very similar movements. So you, you get the same kind of transfer in terms of the muscles in your legs and the impact um, on your bones and ligaments. So you can run for an hour and get the similar kind of um, workload on your body as if you hike for two or three hours. So it's just more time efficient, but, but if you, you can hike all day too, that's super helpful. So just increasing the mileage. If somebody is looking to do a through hike, 
I'd say if you're able to run 20 to 30 miles a week, uh, like a normal through hike, then you'd be in a pretty good spot. But if you're looking to do something faster, like calendar year, whatever, I'd work up to a 50, 100 mile or training plan where you're running 60, 70 miles a week. And that was that was my original plan for the calendar year last year, but I was pretty depressed over the winter and I ended up like only just going to the gym three times a week. I didn't run hardly at all. And I, my weight went from, I, I was at 180 when I finished the trail in 21. And then I was at 207 when I started in 22, like a couple months later. So I just ate a bunch of donuts and didn't run at all. I would not recommend that training train up. But the cool thing is with through hikes, like with every hike you do, your body makes some adaptations that that really stay with you. Because my first hike of the AT, I had some, yeah, a lot of pain, like some stress fractures in my feet. And my pack was just way too heavy as well. But I had a lot of pain going on in my body. And then my second hike that was along the CDT, like I didn't have any of those pains. And I felt great after three or four months on trail. And that was the same, like every subsequent hike I've done, my body has just felt better and stronger. I've had less pains. And if you're looking to do something really big, I think getting one through hike in under your belt before attempting like an FKT or calendar year, is a good idea because your body will, regardless of your fitness level, your body will make a lot of, a lot of adaptations on that first hike that will then carry through to the rest of your, rest of your hikes. And you were 207 when you started the calendar year last year? Yep. And what did you finish at when you finished the calendar year? I think I was down to about 175. And so it, I think I lost roughly 15 pounds in the first month because a lot of that was, because I usually walk around at one, around 190. So that was like your body likes that set point. So once I lost, once I got back down to about 190, then my weight loss became a lot less dramatic and it was a couple of pounds a month. And I think, yeah, I got down to, it was about 175, 180 towards the end. So not a massive change. Now, if people are training physically, they're hitting the gym, they're out there, maybe they're running or they're hiking. Should they, when they're hiking, should they be hiking with a bag with some equipment or not? Yeah. And that just really depends on kind of their level of fitness, any prior injuries, if they have knee pain, if they have injuries that they're trying to work. So essentially weight in the pack is just another variable, right? Like you can hike longer, you can add elevation gain and loss, you can hike faster, which that turns into, right? If you're hiking really fast, it turns into a run or a jog, right? So those are all variables you can control to um, control the intensity of your exercise. And the goal should be this long, slow, steady state cardio where your your heart rate's about 120 to 150. It should be a pace where you can comfortably hold a conversation. And that's really the training zone that's the most beneficial for developing your cardiovascular system. Because, yeah, I used to, because I was in the Army, and in the Army, everyone is as fast as you can if it doesn't, hurt really bad and it's not killing you, then you're not running fast enough. So I had that idea and I, I hated running for so long. And it wasn't until I started getting into training for uh, ultra marathons that I learned like, oh no, the you're actually supposed to run at like an easy pace for the majority, 80, 90% of your runs. And they should feel easy. They should 
you should be able to hold a conversation. And that's the aim when you're training for a hike, any of your runs, your hikes, whatnot, they should be at that easy pace. So then just controlling your variables. I would say I would never exceed 35 pounds in the pack as you're training because it's just past that there's just too much wear and tear on your knees and your joints. And it's, I would err on the side of if you're looking to increase your intensity, do more running, do more uphill climbing stuff rather than having a heavier pack. Have hike with a weighted pack every once in a while, once a week or so, but there's not that much adaptation you're getting from it versus the strain you're putting on your joints. So I think the cost benefit there, it's just the same as it's a terrible idea to go run with a weighted vest or people that run with ankle weights and whatnot. Like it's just, you're not getting the the benefit you're getting from it is so low compared to the damage that you're doing to your joints. It's just not worth it. And so I think the same for kind of training hikes and whatnot, like just go out on backpacking trips, do overnighters, do camping. But if you're training and you want to increase intensity, just go faster or, or find some elevation. You don't need to necessarily add more weight to your pack. Got it. Got it. Now, speaking of elevation, should there be uh, certain exercises that folks are, are doing to prepare for that vertical up and down other than just doing hills? Are there any other specific maybe gym exercises they can do to prepare for that up and down? Yeah. So let's see. Yeah. Just doing squats, doing deadlifts, just getting your legs stronger is really helpful. Uh, if you can do things like Bulgarian split squats, such as doing uh, these unilateral movements, each you know, focusing on the left leg and then the right leg are really helpful, especially you want to build that kind of stability because you, you'll read a lot about people hiking boots versus trail runners. And people say, I like my hiking boots because it provides ankle stability, but that it's, I think, largely not a thing like your boots don't really protect your ankles what protects your ankles is having that strength and coordination within around all the small musculature and big muscles around and around your calves around your ankles and your leg and you can develop those through things like you can ultimately what you want to do would be pistol squats but you can stand up on a box or a bed or a chair and then slowly lower yourself down on a leg. And then as you're doing that, you're, you want to maintain your, just maintain your balance. You'll feel all of these small muscles kick in and try and maintain and, and same, like just stand on one leg and just try and maintain your balance. And then you can work up in the gym. They, you know, they have those little both two ball half things where it's like half of a ball and then a f- flat surface. You can stand on that with one leg and just try and maintain your balance and doing that will activate all of those muscles around there and getting that stronger. That's what's really going to protect your, your ankles on trail. I have through all my years in the army in firefighting on the trails, I've still yet to roll my ankles once. And I really think that's um, due to all of this uh, training that I've done because like my, I, if I can do 10 pistol squats, so like squatting down on one leg with full range of motion, then my, leg is very strong. So then if I step weird and it turns, I have enough strength and enough coordination there to not let that turn into a catastrophic injury. But yeah, doing a lot of those single leg exercises. And then if you can stair climbers, uh, box step ups, just all those things, if like 20, 20 to 50 rep range is a good rep range for kind of muscular endurance rep ranges in there. And then just getting strong overall is very helpful. Now, I think 
probably a lot of our listeners who have heard you talk about the physical prep would say, yeah, this all makes a lot of sense. If I'm going to do a long, arduous, physical journey like this, it's, it's going to be important for me to be physically strong. And the, and the more prepared I am physically, the better off I'm going to be. But I think there's also a big training yourself to be uncomfortable, being ready for being uncomfortable, mental preparation for how to deal with life when it gets tough out there. Is that, do you have some training that you do in advance for that as well? Because I know that most of, a lot of the people that I've talked to who have been very successful out there have been very good at being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's, that's such a cool thing about through hikes is it puts you into these uncomfortable situations all the time. Your hike itself is such a great place to train. Uh, but even before training, so let me just back up. So I think the cornerstone for me of the mental training and the mental resilience and mental toughness is it's awareness. Yeah. Like you might think that it's willpower and just the ability to just push through, drive on. I heard that so much like in the army, just whatever, take an ibuprofen and just drive on, push through the pain. And I think that's this false idea that gets put out there that you just need to be tough and just push through. And it's all this about this like forceful power in your mind. And what I found is that never works in the long term. Willpower is helpful in the short term, but it is not a long-term solution. And I don't think there's anyone in the world that has enough willpower to push them through a through hike because it's just such a long event. Like maybe you have enough willpower to push yourself through a marathon or push yourself through an hour workout, but you're not going to do it for six months. And, and so that's why I think awareness is the cornerstone. And what I mean by that is you like what is creating suffering out on the trail and the things that are causing you to get off a trail would be, for example, if you're in your first month or your first couple of weeks and your body is just struggling and you're because even for me, when I get out there the first two weeks, I'll have cramps at night. My abs like to cramp up for some reason. So like sometimes I just be laying in my tent and I can't move because my abs are cramped up because of how uh, strenuous activity was that day. Things just hurt so much and it's easy to get in your head and think if I hurt this much, from just hiking 10 or 15 or however many of those small days in the beginning, like how will I ever be able to hike for another six months and make it through even all these even grueling, more grueling factors. And if you're not aware that you're doing that, how can you ever stop those sorts of self-sabotaging thoughts? Similarly, you really need that awareness where if you're really hungry and you're just constantly thinking about town food or how nice it would be to be home and thinking about all the meals that you could have at home right now or what you could be doing at home instead of being out here on this cold, wet, miserable trail. Um, like all of those kinds of thoughts, like they can drive you nuts. And if you don't have the awareness to know that you're in that mental state, then you're just going to run that through in your mind over and over until it becomes too much and, and you get off trail and you stop. And so yeah, building awareness is that cornerstone because once you can have awareness, you can say, oh, okay, so I'm starting to ruminate about the future. I'm starting to think about what will happen in three months or six months. And you can then bring your mind back. Like I can just bring my mind right back here to my breath, to my body. What's going on? Okay, my breath is shallow. I'm feeling that's 
feeling anxiety. So now I can make my breath longer again. And okay, now I'm feeling some pain in my body, but that means I can sit down and take a break for five minutes and I know that will get better. And I'm okay right now and I can make it to my next campsite or I can make it to my next meal or my next break. And so bringing with that awareness, you can then bring your mind back from these crazy scenarios that have nothing, no basis in reality, but that are causing you a lot of mental distress. You just bring yourself back to the present. And now if you're in the present, you're okay. Now you can keep going and you can, you just keep doing that throughout the whole trail. That was such an important practice for me because I, if I just thought too much about the future, that would have been completely overwhelmed or especially there were so many times last year, it was just objectively awful conditions. I remember going through the Mahusik Notch. The snow was starting to melt, but there was still a ton of snow. So sometimes I was sinking down up to my waist and it took forever to get through there. There were like these patches of ice and I slipped and fell on the ice and I hit my head. And then through the finally making it through the notch, that big jumble of boulders, you go at the Mahusik arm and it's some of the steepest trail that exists anywhere and it's covered in a sheet of ice so like having to struggle slowly up that arm oh and i had lost one of my micro spikes somewhere in the notch so i only had one one set of micro spikes <laughs> trying to make it up this stupid like basically wall of sheer ice and it's miserable and it would have been so easy in that time to get stuck in this thought loop so this is terrible like how can i do this anymore i don't want to be out here i just because that's especially when it gets late at night that's if you've noticed like the last couple of miles before you reach whatever destination you are going to, they're the hardest because your mind starts getting into that mode of we're almost done. I want to be done. We're not done yet. Why are we not done yet? I want to be done. And that, that creates so much tension and misery and suffering in the mind. And if you can just become aware of that and say, Hey, I don't need to be stuck in this miserable loop right now. Like I'm right here. I'm climbing. I'm still climbing. This climb's not going to take forever. It's late. Yes, sure. But I will eventually reach my campsite and it will be done and it won't last forever. And now I can just be here in my body, in my steps, and I don't have to keep on this miserable thought loop. And yeah, that's the key. I think you have to develop that awareness and then apply it to these other, all these other scenarios that are happening. And then the trail is such a incredible trainer for that. And I feel like this process of meditation plus the trail is like, it creates like the superpower within you because that's what they talk about in meditation retreats is you really need to bring this into your everyday life and practice it. And that's where you get the real benefits when you can bring this practice off of the cushion into real life. And like the trail, what an incredible place to, to practice because you're, uh, you're in so much more discomfort and pain and challenges and all this every single day. So it's you're, you just have this canvas to practice. And I think it can really supercharge like your path of developing freedom from suffering and developing your mind and mental toughness, because now you're not just like sitting for half an hour at home and then going about your day, like maybe, okay, you get annoyed with the traffic or whatever else. There's a lot less to work with in the day to day, whereas on trail you have cold, and hunger and heat and fatigue and big climbs all the time. And yeah, it's, I think the combination of the two creates a, just such a cool thing. That's, I, I just want to tell everybody, go to a meditation retreat before you go on your hike and then use that skill on the hike. And it is going to make, like bring so much benefit to your life. 
So many good points right there. I, I think you're absolutely correct. It is so easy to spiral on the trail and get into that negative thought pattern. And even though you're so physically well prepared, you could lose the hike by going down that that bad mental path. And uh, being able to train your mind to realize when that's happening and get you back to a kind of a recentered location in your head is so important. It is equally important, I would say, to train mentally as, as much as it is to train physically. Yeah, and I agree. And that's the cool thing is you can do both. It doesn't take much. You're already going to be doing the physical training and it just takes a little bit more intentionality, a little bit more just thinking and awareness. And then, bam, you've got the other aspect going like as well, that mental, all of the benefits of that mental training. And I'm really into military stuff and special operations. I listen to all these different podcasts and books. I'm just fascinated by that world. And that's what in all of those pipelines is it's not necessarily the guys who are physically the most dominant that succeed. It's the guys who have figured out that link between their mind and their body and the guys who can, and girls and women who can bring it all back and stay present and not get freaked out about the future and who can just go. And that's, that's one of the biggest lessons in the military that just, you're going to a hard school, just go meal to meal, focus on your task at hand. They call it your five meter target, focus on your five and 25 meter targets because those are your close in targets. Focus on those and just focus on meal to meal. And, and that's what you have to do. And the big thing is just not quit. And, and I think that's the key is don't let your mind spiral because I, for my life, I have never had a moment in my life, like in the present, that was not okay. I've, there's been so many moments that are objectively lots of pain or mental distress or emotional distress, but it's still right there in that moment. It's okay. And it's like the story that I build that those are always worse than the reality that I found. So, you know, that I can only have my experience, but that's been my experience. Yes, I've said many times, worrying about something is oftentimes much worse than the actual something. Absolutely. I think that's, isn't that a famous Mark Twain or something, quote, something along those lines? Man, I thought I invented that. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll give it to you. That's the, the doc quote. <laughs> All right. And I would venture to say that you might even suggest that a way of training yourself to be tough mentally is maybe to go see Ninja Turtles as it's uh, dubbed in Thai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have you could have been you could have you could have just spiraled about that, but you didn't. You sat through two hours and just uh, dealt with it. Yeah, no, it's that's true because it's right, like life is not about um, what happens to you, it's about your reactions to it. It was like this is fun, we can focus on the animation and learn a couple like they say chai, mai. So chai is yes and mai is no. So I really learned how to say yes and no in that movie. And that was about the only words that I could pick out. <laughs> That's great. Jack, this has been, been great advice for, for physical prep, mental prep for, for a big hike like that. We talked a little bit about the Calendar Triple Crown. If you want to hear more about the Calendar Triple Crown, feel free to go back into the hiking, Hiker Trash Radio back catalog and pull up that episode where I talked to the four guys who finished the Calendar Year Triple Crown last year and hear all of their different uh, perspectives and stories and approaches to the Calendar Year Triple Crown. But after doing something that big, Jack, what 
do you feel like you have to one up that? Is you have to go above and beyond that, or or are you going to dial it back? What's the next adventure for Jack? Yeah, I felt when I started the hike, like I definitely had something to prove to myself and to other people. If I look back on my like posts on Instagram when I first started the Appalachian Trail, I was like, oh, I had a lot of ego about this, and I was really trying to show people, look how far I walked today, look how many much elevation I climbed, and I definitely get this real sense that I was really trying to prove something. But um, going through like New Hampshire, going through the whites in uh, in those kind of terrible winter conditions where it's actually, so if someone's thinking about calendar year and they want to go through the northern part, not skip over to the desert when it gets, gets icy and cold, I think starting earlier is actually better because I hit the north just one thing. It's just starting to melt. So it's this terrible mix of ice and snow and post holing and breaking through these ice bridges. And so if I had come across that maybe two weeks earlier, it would have been so much easier to stay on top of the snow and the ice. Yeah, it, it was just really quite terrible and really hard going. I figure there was probably 200, 250 miles up there where I was averaging less than one mile an hour just a really awful slog like that day on the Mahusik notch it took me 20 hours i was moving for 20 straight hours and i think i moved 16 miles that day and just like day after day like that was that was for sure the hardest thing i've ever done and then same got snow again in the san juans towards the end of october and in colorado and trying to go through some of those passes at 12,000 feet with like waist high snow, just being so bitterly cold. And like that felt really dangerous because <laughs> it's like you are you know, the AT, at least there's roads and civilization close by, but like you are really in the middle of nowhere with right. this tremendous amount of snow and just going so slow and it just being like so cold and like the AT, right. At least you can still find the trail most of the time because you have the, the green tunnel. But when you're on the side of a 12,000 foot mountain, like there is, no, it's just snow. Like, and it's, it's pretty difficult to navigate. And we were out there in the dark and yeah, it was just rough. So like those experiences, it did show me what my limits were. Like I, I definitely pushed up against my, against my limits. I, I noticed that. So yeah, I did the hundred mile wilderness and because I knew Katahdin was still going to be closed when I reached there, I had to get off trail 10 at Able Bridge 10 miles before Katahdin. So I wanted to have a big exciting finish even though i wasn't able to climb katahdin right then so i tried to push through the hundred mile wilderness as quickly as i could and did it in about two and a half days and slept four hours the first night and maybe one or two hours the next night and basically hiked for yeah 50 or 60 hours and that that about broke me <laughs> it, it really put me into some uh challenging places mentally and physically and but that those were the things that i was looking for out there i really wanted to push myself and and to push my limits and i think yeah before i hit the snow i was averaging about 28 miles a day and that included town days and and whatnot on the at that was all the way up to vermont and so that was like a really breakneck pace and so that, that was cool because i didn't know because i hadn't done anything like that before i didn't know how i would do and I didn't know if I'd be able to push really long into the night and, and keep going day after day. Because I think I went 40 days before my first zero on the AT. So that was way longer than any other hike. I like 
period of time of just going continuously day after day. So that was, yeah, all that was just really cool to show me like, where are my limits? And I got my fill. So I don't feel too much of a need to do stuff like that. Although I am training, it's funny I say that, but now I'm training here Muay Thai uh, six days a week and I want to take take a full contact fights, oh, elbows wow. and knees and all that wow. in the ring, five rounds. Okay. Yeah. But it, yeah, like that's, I don't know, it excites me. Like it makes me nervous, and but that's a signal for me. I should go after that. I think that would be a good experience. Okay. A good experience. Very good. <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that, but uh, I want to congratulate one more, congratulate you one more time on what an accomplishment last year, the calendar year triple crown. Um, very few people on the planet have done that. And in fact, in, in your research, Quadzilla, have you come across anybody who's done it twice? No, that's, I think I'm pretty sure no one's done that twice. Could that be you? I don't know that I ever want to do that again. <laughs> I think that's like, I, I've had maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe give it time and I'll forget about how, how much pain there was involved and want to do it later. But actually, you know what? I had a thought if I were to do something like that again, I would do something like maybe an AT, PCT, AT, or like an early AT and then a PCT Because first I just didn't like being on the CDT because there are so many alternates. And when it's the end, like, you just you're going to pick the shortest route and it doesn't feel good because then it feels i'm always leaving something on the table i'm not taking the hard route i'm not taking the long route but if you're so short on time and the weather window and then you're just tired if there's an easier option presented like i'm going to take it and that felt really bad yeah so i thought if i'm going to do something like this where i'm trying to push my limits and see where it's at then i'll do something where the trails are like the trail is the trail and I don't have these options to, to take a different route. What about a yo-yo of the PCT? <laughs> a yo, how would, I think you'd run into too much snow on the third yo. Yeah. That would be, but if somebody could do that with the AT, like that would be awful, but you could do it. Yeah. There was a documentary called From Snow to Sand about these two guys who did a wintertime southbound hike of the PCT. And it had been tried wow. it had been okay. tried a few times before and they found the bodies after this after the when the spring came out. But these two guys, they did it, they made it. It was quite a story. Wow. I have to yeah, look that I, I remember seeing the plaque on the PCT of the couple that had they had, uh, yeah, gone down like a ravine or something, trying mm -hmm. to get out and got lost and had died. Yeah, yeah, pretty sad. All right. Hey, Quadzilla, you know where we are right now? The hiking tip? Oh, look at you. You're an expert. Hiking hacks. That's right. It's time for you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us, Quads? I found waterproof socks to be really helpful for winter cold hiking. Like I was able to wear trail runners through the whole year, even hiking through quite a bit of snow and ice. Excuse me, I got a burp. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. But yeah, I found these, the ones I wore were seal skins. I think they're neoprene or Gore-Tex or something like that, but they're not going to keep your, your feet completely dry because you're going to sweat. And I think they still allow some water in, but it really retains the heat. So I wear my darn tough and then just put that 
So you get the socks a little bit larger and they just put the waterproof socks over it. And I found I was able to, yeah, go through all of the AT, um, go through some of those days in Colorado. It was dropping down to single digits at night and my feet were totally fine. No issues with frostbite or anything, even wearing trail runners. I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. And I've heard people say for short term, if you just have some plastic bags or some trash bags, they put that over their feet and that works in a similar way. It retains some of the heat. So if you're in a pinch, you could do that. But I think rather than trying to mess with a bunch of bags that are tearing all the time, just uh, or bread bags, people do that too. But just buy a pair of socks and have those if you're in those kind of winter cold conditions. That is a great hack. Thank you. So there you have it. We are just about done here. hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Quadzilla. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Jack, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah, Instagram is what I update the most. That's at Quadzilla Hikes. And actually, yeah, if you want to go to my YouTube too, I just cut together. It's like a 35-minute video on the calendar of your triple crown that it was for trail days Sobo Trail Days on the CDT, and they just showed that in Leadville. So I'm going to put that on my channel for people to see. So that probably like the best little roundup of last year that has all, all three trails and my experience along there. And that's on my YouTube channel, which is called The Healthy Gamer. Or if you just search like Calendar Year Triple Crown Quadzilla on, on YouTube, it'll come up with all of my videos and my channel there. Fantastic. I'm going to check that out as soon as we're done here tonight. Remember to check out Hiker Trash Radio on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at hikertrashradio at gmail.com. Off the beaten path. Now, unfortunately, we can't always be on the trail. And when we're not, we need to find a way to get our adventure fixed. So, Jack, I'm going to ask you to share some outdoor adventure media with our listeners to help them get by. This could be a book, a movie or a documentary. It could be in English. It could be in Thai. It's all up to you. We call this segment Off the Beaten Path. What do you have for us? Oh, man. I just watched a really cool jujitsu. Oh, Choke is what it's called. Jiu-Jitsu documentary on like the early days of the UFC. I don't know. That was pretty interesting, and that got me fired up about training. That's, that is what comes to mind right now. Okay. Choke. Very good. Have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? No, I think that's about it. Yeah, what I was going to say the, the video in here, but I just talked about that. So just go check that out. I think that, yeah, that would be pretty interesting for most people because it's 35 minutes of just all footage from last year and give you a taste of what a calendar year looks like. And that's, yeah, I'm pretty happy and proud of that because to do a calendar year is hard but to do it and to film it and to all those scenes of walking back and forth and carrying that damn camera around that i think that proved to me more okay my mental resilience and discipline has really come to a different level because even on trail i was able to i was putting out uh, video blogs as i went along so that meant every time in town like i'd get into town i'd start transferring files over from my camera onto my phone as I showered. And then if I'm eating something and now I'm sitting there uh, eating my dinner, but also editing photos and editing videos. And it was a lot of work and I was able to keep up with it for pretty much the whole trail. Whereas other trails, I'd always start to try to do something like that. But within two or three months, 
I just get tired and overwhelmed and I would, it would drop off, but I was able to keep up with that for pretty much the whole trail. And that, like that showed me like, okay, I've really come pretty far within my own, like kind of discipline and work ethic and those sorts of things. And, and that was cool. Yeah. I'd say you, you've picked up some pretty good finishing skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's because honestly, I used to have such, so much trouble just sticking to things. So that's been really cool for my, for myself. All right. Hey, we are finished. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, Jack. We wish you the very best in your future adventures in the ring. And we hope you'll consider coming back at some point and sharing some more stories with us. Yeah, thank you. I I really enjoyed enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for having me on, Doc. My pleasure. As we close up, any shout-outs to friends and family? Oh, yeah. Just all my hiking friends and everybody. There's... If I name people, I'm going to miss people. So just everybody, yeah, that's been super supportive, especially last year. Got so much support through, you know, just through all the socials and whatnot. So that was, that's pretty cool to be like alone, but also so connected still at the same time. You are a very wise man, Quadzilla. Not not mentioning any names so you don't have the pressure of leaving somebody out. Smart man. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're not sure whether or not you packed your poop gun. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. (laughs) 